0: Right, everyone, welcome to the show. We're in a parking lot today. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> but it's a nice parking lot. This and it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. It's gorgeous day. It's gonna get a little hot coming up, but it's gorgeous today. This is Tennessee Wildcast program brought to you by the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. Jason Harmon right here. Jason Henniger right here. I shouldn't mess up the names too bad today.
1: Don't get us confused Don't
0: now. Get you confused. All right, and Todd, of course, is working over here with the boards like he does making this look as good as he can. It might be a little splotchy for you today. We're, we're getting a studio worked on, Jason. Yep, it's and in the process, and hopefully process. we'll be up there soon. Finally, but we're still going to go outside from time to time. Oh, yeah. Anyway, tell your friends about our show. I wish you would, please. This is all about the agency. We get good sportsmen on, too. This guy right here can catch a fish with anybody, and we might get that today, but we got so many things to cover with Jason in a few minutes. He's our assistant chief of fisheries. And Jason's done some incredible work through his young career so far. And we're going to talk about a lot of that today with Jason here in a few minutes, Jason. So hang in there with us. I'll do it. I want to remind everyone, what's this weekend?
1: Free Fishing Day.
0: Saturday. Saturday is Free Fishing Day. This Saturday, June 11th, is Free Fishing Day. Mm -hmm. And you can look on the agency's website, which is?
1: TNWildlife.org.
0: And you'll find, uh, if you look under the Outdoors Calendar, that's a great place for you to keep looking, is the Outdoors calendar. You'll find close to 100 events across the state for kids, and these are for kids. A lot of them have stocked catfish, thanks yep. to Jason, his crew, and a lot of folks that get these catfish brought in here, and uh great day for everybody, and the wonderful thing, free fishing days for everyone on mm-hmm. public waters anywhere in this state, and the great thing about those events is that eventually the kids leave and everybody can go in there, right?
1: Yeah, get those, after the kids get through, the adults can come they in behind them. They never get them all. There's no way they can catch get them a all. few. So, no,
2: we usually... There's usually plenty of good fish left for the public to come in after those kids' events and catch. Mm -hmm. Actually, you have a lot of families come out that bring the kids out in the morning and uh, stay the rest of the day, make a picnic out of it, cook out, make a day of the the free fishing day. And
0: you should. I will give you a a, a warning, a weather warning before that. It's going to be close to 100 degrees this Saturday. So take lots of water, saturate yourself, make sure that you're comfortable and cool. Sunscreen. And and sunscreen. Get, Get ready. If you're not doing that. You need to get your kids used to that, just like a seat belt or a life jacket. Something they need yeah. to do all their lives. So anyway, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and the kids always have a good time and catch a lot of fish. And anyway, it's it's the outdoors calendar on our website, right up at the corner. That's it on the home page. Mm-hmm. All right, we also have coming up a meeting at the Enix Center in uh, near Paris Landing. It's in uh, over there by Kentucky Lake.
2: It's over there on the fire, at it's the fair. fairgrounds.
0: So. Right. And it's going to be Tuesday night, and the fisheries folks are going to be there listening to, or talking to fishermen about the crappie fishery on Kentucky Lake, is that correct?
2: Yes, uh, our biologist out of Region 1 is going to give a presentation on the crappie fishing in Kentucky Lake. We had a lot of comments this year in the fishing comment period, the spring spring comment period for regulations that that dealt with Kentucky Lake, the creel limit on Kentucky Lake, and the also... Uh, possibly increasing the size limit on kentucky lake for crappie so okay that's
0: if, tuesday right
2: yes tuesday the 14th
0: 14th from 7 to eight thirty in the enoch building at the henry county fairgrounds in paris so um, will the chief of fisheries be there with you frank um, uh, will frank, frank, fist, there? The,
2: yep. frank fist the chief of fisheries will be there tim broadbent out of uh, region one and then we'll, uh, i'll probably be there as well we'll have uh, several agency staff there to to represent
0: so much brain there it'd be hurting people Um, right uh we're going to go over by the way next week and meet at the region one two weeks no next week we're going over there next week and we're meeting with tim broadbent out of the region one office and we're going to do a couple shows with him so we're looking forward to that we're going to try to set up by lake graham over there
2: Okay. That's a great place to set up.
0: Yeah, it is. I wonder right. if we can set up in a boat, riggin'. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Pontoon for that. <laughs> I put a pontoon out there. And we can float around on it.
0: Yeah, we might do that. We might do. That. It's a beautiful lake right there by if the. If I'd
2: known that, office. we'd have postponed to next week. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we tell
0: you. All right. Anyway, that's it's you know, it's fishing and boating time of year. Be careful out there in a boat. We've had a few accidents this year. We've had a a kayak accident or two already, where folks were actually in a kayak not wearing a life jacket, which always amazes me. If you're going to be in a kayak, please wear that life jacket, and especially if you can't swim. But even if you can, uh, you ought to be wearing a life jacket when you're out there on a kayak. Kayaks are one of the fastest-growing recreational boating activities in the United States, Mm -hmm. so be careful. There, all right. You got yeah. anything, to add? Hey, we're
1: gonna probably do a video on that. What you need to have with a kayak and paddle when you're paddling and that kind of thing, life jackets and whatnot. So watch out, watch out for that video.
0: Okay, that'll be a good video. And one of the things uh, immediately you need to remember, if you're in a kayak and you're on the water at night, you just like the big boys when you're out yep. there. You need to have your lights on your boat. That's the law, and you can get a citation for that. Mm-hmm. And those
2: those lights need to be out at sunset, not 30 minutes after, not 30 minutes before. It's at at sunrise till sunrise and after at sunset very good So you've got to get them get them out there before it gets dark just so everybody can see you know where you're at
0: to your benefit i wouldn't want a, a bass boat running over me at 75 miles an hour yeah anyway all right jason we got a lot to talk about jasons we got a lot to talk about and uh, you cover so many things you are the assistant chief of fisheries what does that mean
2: well it's kind of the in-between position uh i was before i was the the uh rivers and streams coordinator for the state there'll be days that i'll still have to do rivers and streams work but i also will be doing some of the administrative work uh in the office and kind of covering for frank when he's busy doing doing other things or he's out of the office so i can can run the gamut of, of being a coordinator to uh, setting in for the the chief of fisheries and answering questions for the director's staff so it's uh it's a, a wide variety of things. And so.
0: before you did that, you've been with the agency a decade or so, give or take. Yeah,
2: I've been here about eight, nine years now. I uh, worked for Texas Parks and Wildlife for four years before that. But I'm a Tennessee resident, grew up in in Tennessee, and uh, went to school at ETSU for my bachelor's, uh, Tennessee Tech for my master's, and worked under Dr. Batoli there. Worked on about 15, 20 different projects, everything from bats to Barons top menace, Wow. So uh, a lot of different things and um, then went off to Texas and was able to make it home pretty quick. So Do they have big bass in Texas? They do, but yeah. we've got good big bass here too. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We've we do. got a lot of big fish here. We, I was counting up uh, yesterday, actually. We've got about 12 state records that have been broken in the last year. So we're sitting on a lot of good fish right now. Yeah.
0: So, wow. The one I know two of them include uh, uh, one of them includes the largemouth in the last yep. year and a half, and then we had the northern brook trout that was broken yep. here yeah, recently, and then just uh, a couple
2: months ago in the Caney Fork, and then we had a uh, almost five pound tilapia uh, shot with archery equipment out of Old Hickory. So that added an archery people are uh, saying
0: what's what's a tilapia it's, uh, it's that stuff you see in the store uh yep. but we have them in old hickory lake somehow so there's we a steam plant over there right? yeah there? i
2: think i think after the flood uh they were introduced into the old hickory uh by the flood and then they found a home at, at Galton steam plant and doing what? That warm water discharge mm-hmm. and then also i think some of the springs in uh Maybe the back of uh, bluegrass. Uh, we get a lot of reports out of bluegrass. Bluegrass so, is a creek over there. Yeah, it's a cove, cove. Uh, down from pretty good ways down from, from uh, the Gallatin steam plant. And they oh, yeah. seem to hold on down there as well. There's a big so, marina down
0: there. Isn't yeah, there? yeah. Okay. Uh, if you want to go tilapia fishing, come to Middle Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. And get, yeah. And get into them. We got some cool fish that's out there that y'all work with, Jason. There's a, there's a lot of cool fish. One of them that a lot of folks may not know about is a sturgeon.
2: Yeah, What is a sturgeon? Sturgeon is one of our native species to Tennessee. It's probably one of the largest species we have. Uh, they can get up to about nine feet long, way upwards. Nine of, feet long? Yeah, upwards to about 300 pounds, 250, 300 pounds. Um, I was very fortunate and was able to go up to Wisconsin where we get these eggs from. Uh, we go up every spring with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and collect eggs right there on the riverbank um, of the Wolf River. and I was able to handle some fish about as big as me. I was handling 150, 200-pound fish, about 200 of them in three, three four days. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> I it bet was, it's a great fishery over there. Huh? Really impressive. So I hope we can get our fishery back to that. We lost the sturgeon probably in the mid-60s, early 70s out of the Tennessee and the Cumberland Rivers. And uh, a lot mm-hmm. of that was due to uh, just the practices at that time. I mean, you had agricultural practices that put a lot of sediment into the rivers. You had um, a lot of the, the factories and uh, put a lot of chemicals into the into the water at the time, and they probably didn't know that they would have the impacts that they did. And then we had dams built in the 50s, and a lot of the water quality issues from the dams being built really put a, a death nail in the sturgeon at that point. And uh, we lost them until uh, about 2000, we started stocking sturgeon back into the Tennessee River up uh, in the French Broad and the Holston Arms. Over there in East Tennessee. Yep. Okay. And uh, then we started stocking sturgeon in the Cumberland River about 2006. And we've, through our sampling efforts every fall, we're seeing that we're finding fish from every year that we've stocked fish. So we're getting recruits out of every stocking that we put out there. There's a lot of good fish swimming around. So... That's awesome. I was lucky
0: enough to go in 2006, we were talking about before we started, to a, a celebrated release over at Shelby Bottoms in Middle Tennessee. Shelby Park is a is a city park that's been around here a long time, and it was a lot of fun watching these fish about this size be released, so yep. they've had 10 years to grow, and if somebody catches one of them, what size should they be, somewhere?
2: They'll range in size, We, as I said, we stock every year, and we stock those probably six to eight inches, 10 inches if we can get them that size. Uh, we've stocked some larger ones in the Cumberland uh, over, over time, so they're doing a little bit better. They grow a little bit faster in the Cumberland, it seems like. And we've had fish reported two years ago at Galton Steam Plant, there was a 52-inch sturgeon caught. Uh, we've had some commercial fishermen catch some out of uh, Lake Barkley, farther down the system, and uh, that one was around five feet, five, six feet long. So They,
0: they are... they are along the prehistoric lines with the paddlefish are they not aren't yeah. they a, a, yeah. they they look like it too they're cool looking fish real bony looking to me
2: yeah they've got they're a skin fish but they've got these bony plates down the side and down the back and uh, if you grab a hold of one those bony plates can hurt uh, they they can pinch you real good but that's their defense mechanism uh, that's their scales as those bony plates down the side called scutes we actually use that we can remove those scutes when they're small and they won't grow back. It just heals as part of the skin. So we use that to mark those fish, we alternate sides, we alternate which numbers we remove, and we can tell which year class that fish has been from when we go back to capture that fish in the wild later on. So, I
0: remember going over to, uh, we have a small hatchery over in Gallatin, yeah. where we do a lot of muscle work and also sturgeon work. I remember going over there and watching you and Dr. Podoli. Um I think y'all were tagging the fish.
2: Yeah, we that was part of uh, our commercial fishing coordinators uh, project that he was actually following those fish. We put sonic tags uh, surgically implanted sonic tags into the fish and released them and then we had stationary receivers throughout the river and we watched those fish over two years to see where they were going to go. Those were released hatchery fish and sometimes with hatchery fish they don't know what to do when they get in the wild. They've been fed every day multiple times during the day and swam around in a tank. So when you put them out you don't know that fish is just gonna take off down river take off up river stay around leave get caught we really don't know so we were looking at that and we wanted to know if those fish could pass through the dams on the cumberland river uh, and luckily through that project we found out that they can move up and down river through the locks and wow. uh, it's a pretty neat deal They're traveling that, fish even that they've got barriers out there out there now that they've never encountered they figure out a way to move up and down the river.
0: Are they a, a fish that an angler, you mentioned commercial fishing, and that's a net thing, but are they a fish that an angler can expect to catch?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, We, I've received about five reports over the past two weeks of wow. anglers catching them on the Tennessee, the Cumberland. I've had two reports below Center Hill Dam that they've moved up below Center Hill Dam and uh, were caught on the same things that you would catch blue catfish or channel catfish or even brown trout night crawlers are one of the a uh, very popular uh bait with sturgeon we get a lot of sturgeon caught on night crawlers um cut bait same things you use for catfish you're going to use for sturgeon okay
0: ex- except so. you might up that line test in a few years because when they get a little yeah. bit bigger they're not going to probably stay on 12 or 15 pounds yeah do they have are they their mouth if you opened it are they they have teeth or are they no soft plated or it's
2: just a big soft funnel and uh a lot of people think that they're strictly bottom feeders, but uh, I think with that funnel, as a fish gets to three, four, or five feet long, uh, they become pretty opportunistic, I think, and they'll uh, they use that big suction mouth to eat shad. Uh, we've had reports of them being caught in the bowls, people fishing for stripers uh, with jigging spoons and swim baits have caught them. I would be so, thrilled to catch one I of those think, things. I think a fish that big. <laughs> If it comes across it and get it in its mouth, it's going to eat it. You tell
0: me too. There's something special that y'all do if somebody catches it and reports it. What do y'all do with them?
2: We uh, offer a certificate uh, that I've caught and released a a lake sturgeon in Tennessee. And you have to release them, right? Yeah, they're they're state endangered species, um, and you do have to catch and you have to release those if you catch one. And we encourage you to take a picture, handle it very uh, gently. you can don't even take it out of the water just take the hook out of it take a picture put it back and then report that to to us at the central office or to your regional office any of the biologists can get
0: we've had people come through facebook and message us with a photo we'll help you there too on our twa facebook pages
2: but we need a name an address phone number where you caught the fish what you caught it on and approximately the size of the fish so we can keep track of if it's recently stocked fish that people's catching it's these big ones that are hoping we hope return to spawn one day so um, but just send that in to uh, you can send it to sturgeon.reports at tn.gov I've got an email set up just for sturgeon reports where you can just send it to me through email or call me on the phone call any of the, the regional biologists so we can get it we'll get you a certificate sent out there it's got a nice photo or a drawing of a sturgeon from um uh, uh joseph tom rally and really nice uh, certificate that you can hang up just like one of your mounted fish oh that so. is neat
0: that is so cool and, it, and of course it's in the tarp i guess too I, or- I'm, or I'm, not sure. recognition. I'm not I don't, sure I don't we have even, or it's a question, so it in tarp good question it may be we'll one that we need out. to add yeah I, so. yeah it would have to be 175 pounds yeah. or i don't know will it be will it be the kingfish in the water when it gets big will it be the it boss will. of all bosses I think in think fresh will. waters, yeah
2: yeah i think for us it'll be the big one it, it'll be right up there with those blue catfish that they get so push big. 100 pounds so.
0: and the paddlefish get p- pretty big too yeah but, yeah uh, yeah okay. that was another
2: record broken last year oh, we're now over 100 pounds for a paddlefish wow yeah
0: so. uh, you can check out the records on our website too tnwildlife.org a lot of them have photographs we got photographs of the rec- some record fish that are out yep. there and trying yep. to get them as we go and maybe we'll get you with the sturgeon
2: yeah i'd like to see a, a state record lake sturgeon for too long
0: i would too i'd like to catch it
1: if you've never seen one of the sturgeon you can go to our youtube channel uh, the video over that shelby park release oh it's can, out there yeah it's on youtube That youtube.com so slash tennessee wildcast and it's out there just search for it all right you, can, did you shoot it yeah me and todd both shot that did you one, okay so.
0: all right can you believe it's been 10 years ago todd <laughs> It's been a long time. When you're having fun. Yes. All right, let's talk about some other stuff because, believe it or not, we've already eaten up about half of the show. Jason, you work a lot with trout. What's going on with the with the world of trout?
2: Well, I still still am deep into the world of trout. I guess uh, most of what we're doing now is uh, brook trout related. Our native species of uh, Southern Appalachian brook trout. We're working with a lot of different agencies to reintroduce uh, brook trout or enhance brook trout fishing. Um, was just up in smoky mountains tuesday working with the national park service there at great smoky mountains national park Uh, a couple other regions in twra were up there and we were doing a rainbow trout removal and we were actually going into anthony's creek there at cades cove runs right through cades cove and brook trout's not been in there in 20 30 years and it's been mostly wild rainbows and uh, there's a nice barrier there so we went in and and uh, those guys are, are working this week removing rainbow trout. So and this did, fall that they can go and put brook trout back in there. So.
0: For people who love catching rainbows, they may be thinking, why are you taking my rainbow trout out? Why do you do that?
2: <clears throat> well, we're going to manage below the barrier there on Anthony's Creek for, for rainbow trout. and uh, Brook trout are, are the only native trout species in Tennessee. So we want to preserve the, the heritage of catching brook, brook trout, but also the genetics. We've got a unique genetic Form of brook trout in the southeast, especially in Tennessee in the Appalachian Mountains. And, and,
0: and these brook trout—they're not big fish, but your challenge when you're a fisherman isn't the size of the fish when you're a brook trout. It's—it's it's the reaching to where they are, yep. getting up there with your small equipment and catching one. That's—that's that's the challenge of a brook trout, right? Because you're talking about high elevation waters. You're
2: talking about high elevation waters, small streams, clear streams. I mean, a lot of these are are gin clear. If you walk up to a pool of brook trout, a lot of times if you just really go easy, kind of stalk up there, you can see them waiting in the pool, feeding and uh it's just the the areas these fish are in are are magnificent in the, in their self, and then you catch this bright colorful fish in there too so
0: and beautiful fish and yeah. our, the the brook trout and the and the uh, rainbow are also rainbow are very competitive with them food wise aren't they Is that, do i remember yeah, that?
2: yeah they can be um it's it really unique that in our drought years it seems the brook trout do better in our wet years the rainbows do better. So there's there's a niche there that they they kind of hold, but the brook trout have, have held on in a lot of our streams for for decades and decades. I mean, the, even through the the logging periods of the the uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, um, all the damage we did to our forest, the yeah. brook trout held on. And but we're having to help them along a little bit nowadays, uh, it's just uh, with a lot of development and stuff, we're we're still. Love fighting those program. battles.
0: I remember going over about 20 years ago now, and I can't remember the stream. You you might know it just because you you read about it. But I went over to Teleco Hatchery on the first stocking. They did a brook trout and a small I man. And, and I was a lot younger then, and it almost killed me walking to that stream yeah. wherever it was.
2: Believe uh, it or not, we're still working in that stream. It's uh, Sycamore Creek. That's it. It runs right there. It's the one of the source streams for the hatchery, and uh, we raise a lot of rainbows, uh, a lot of brown trout there. That goes to the Hiawassee. But uh, about seven, eight years ago, we revived that program with the help of uh, Trout Unlimited, Cherokee chapter. uh, Actually, it was uh, the chapter out of Chattanooga that uh, did some fundraising and got some money together, and they revamped one of the old hatchery buildings that we had there. And we put a brook trout uh, hatching battery in there. And we've been propagating brook trout to go back into Sycamore Creek And just finished up a nice uh, graduate project at Tennessee Tech, kind of looking at different ways of propagation of brook trout and if those fish would actually survive when we stocked them into the wild. And the results from that came back very positive, and we were finding fish that we'd stocked two, three years ago. And we want people to go fish for these things, right? Get out
0: there and fish for them. That's what they're going in there for. I love it. And the challenge of, of catching those things, too. You wanted to talk too about um, something called whirling disease. While we're on trout, let's discuss it.
2: Yeah, we've not found whirling disease in Tennessee, but our neighbors in North Carolina found it last year. It showed up in the Watauga and the Elk River watersheds. And uh, we, we, it's possible that, that the whirling disease could have come in from some private hatcheries. And trout uh, production in North Carolina is number two in the United States for uh, the number of trout produced at aquaculture facilities. And uh, a lot of people like to stock trout in their own streams. Uh, Tennessee, it is illegal to stock any fish into public waters. Um, Streams are considered public waters. Anything that runs through your property, runs off your property, is considered public waters. And it is illegal to stock trout into streams. Uh, We don't want whirling disease to move into our trout streams in, in Tennessee. We don't know the effects that it would have but it could be very detrimental to some trophy trout fisheries that we have here in Tennessee. Don't
0: destroy your own fishery. Does yeah. this happen because the, sometimes they're getting from places that don't take care of the trout in their hatcheries or where they're raising them are?
2: Well, it's very hard to see. Uh, it's not something that you can just look at the fish and see. Mm-hmm. It does, in some fish, cause some cranial deformities. Yeah. It's a disease that, that affects the brain and affects the swimming ability of fish, thus its name whirling disease. It causes a, a whirling behavior in trout
0: is it chronic wasting disease of the waters
2: it's it it <laughs> could be it's really yeah. specific to rainbow trout is it uh, brook trout can be affected by it so we we really worry with with brook trout our native brook trout in some of these small streams because they're not big populations anyway so if something was to get in there there's also a, a gill lice that are, is, uh, they found in north carolina that's uh specific to brook trout So we really don't want any brook trout moved around in case this gill lice is is on some of the fish that you were to stock. It could get into our populations and could decimate our populations.
0: Is a a brook trout a fish that, I know the fly fishermen love them. Can you catch them with rod and reel gear too?
2: Oh yeah, Yeah. Uh, they love trout magnets. They trout really magnets, do. boy. Yeah. we
0: give a lot of attention to trout magnets, but yeah. there's a reason for it. They're great baits. <laughs> they're great for bluegill too. They there. catch everything. I, I even bass. Bass, yeah. I knock them at the time of the yeah. year. Big bass, they hit them, and they're about that big. I don't understand yeah. what he, how, what the guy did with it, but that bait yeah. works. So trout magnets.
2: He did a good thing when he, he a those. He did a good out.
0: thing. He sold a bunch of them too, and so. we've helped sell a bunch of them here. Yeah. Uh, but I but yeah, they them.
2: they'll they'll take spinners. They'll take uh, trout magnets. Uh, anything you can catch a rainbow or a brown trout on, you can. Catch catch a brook trout. Uh, we stocked the northern strain of brook trout in our tailwaters, and it's become a very popular fishery in tailwaters. It can waters. get large. Yep. And we've, we've seen this year that we had one close to, to five pounds mm-hmm. uh, being caught on the caney fork i mean 20 inches long that's a nice fish
0: we did we put that on facebook and i think it i think it reached about three hundred thousand folks they yeah. were very interested yeah. in that photograph caught by a guy that got pushed out of his spot where he normally fishes <laughs> how about that for luck somebody was fishing yeah. in his spot so he moved up or down the river i don't know and on first cast caught that thing on a minna yeah so anyway cool go look at the photograph of that All right, Jason, um, there's also something else y'all are doing uh, to help with your trout to help determine populations, I think. What is that?
2: We're doing some, delving into a new technique. Uh, It's called HDSS stream surveys, and it relies on video, uh, water quality, monitoring equipment, sonar. Uh, All this equipment is mounted on a, a kayak or mounted on a backpack unit, and you can travel down the stream, and as you're traveling down the stream, this equipment is recording all kinds of data. And most of the time when we go out and sample a stream, we send five, six guys out to do uh, an electrofishing survey, and we go out and collect fish data. And we may get a little bit of habitat data while we're out there. We may get a little uh, water quality data. But we're in a 1,000-meter section. We're in a small section of the stream. You mount this equipment on the, on a kayak, and as you paddle down the river, you're collecting data all the way down as you go. Now, it's it's not as good as our fish surveys to look at populations, but we can go back after we have the habitat data, the water quality data, and look at the best sites, or the worst sites, that we want to sample fish. Because Are you gonna go
0: back and do habitat work, maybe, in some yeah, of these spots? Yeah,
2: that's another good thing. that We can take this and we can prioritize maybe the top five worst spots on the river, the top five best spots on the river, promote those best spots for fishing and maybe go back in and do some wow. some restoration work on those those spots that's been impacted by either um, uh any type of alteration to the river flows flooding um we can go back and and try to fix those spots.
0: One river, a river can look different year to year, depending yeah, yeah. on. After 2010 in Middle Tennessee, there were a lot of rivers that didn't look like themselves yeah. anymore. And
2: another benefit of that, if we'd had this survey before the 2010 flood, we could have seen the exact impacts because we could have oh, wow. done another survey, compared the video, and and had the impacts of that flood right there and measured it. Who's leading this study? Uh, <clears throat> it's kind of a partnership. It's uh, TWRA, uh, the fisheries. Fisheries Management uh, Division, Environmental Services Division in TWRA. We're working with TDEC. They're supplying some of our water quality uh, equipment. Uh, Parham Environmental is a third-party environmental consultant that developed this uh, technique along with some professor, a professor at UT, and a graduate student at UT several years ago. And so it's a it's a partnership to get this uh, all this done. But I think it's going to be. This is the pilot study on the Caney Fork is going to be a a real test of this, this technology. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to gain a lot of information for the biologist and the fishermen. Okay. And the Caney Fork,
0: again, it's in middle Tennessee, kind of almost in in our, we have region two and three, somewhere between Carthage and Cookville is where the Caney Fork kind of is, right? Smithville. So um, when we get it done, we'd like to get some footage on here and, and show it to folks and let them see what's going yeah. on. Get you back on there. Some so many subjects that you can talk about, yeah. Jason. You can yeah, go we can definitely
2: that. do that. And you'll probably find some of that footage uh, once it's finished on TU's website as well. Trout Unlimited. Uh, Trout Unlimited here, the Cumberland chapter here in Nashville, has partnered with us. And they're putting up a lot of the money to support this project. And uh, so we're going to be sharing a lot of the information and actually developing uh, some of the, the data just for them and and uh, putting it out there for for anglers to use as well so
0: all right what's the next record fish in tennessee you want to guess tell us what's going to be broken next
2: (laughs) oh goodness the brook trout may be broken again we've we've had some reports of some really big brook trout blow tail water east tennessee yep up in east tennessee it's part of that holston system um yeah that one's probably going to be one also i mean that tilapia there we just keep getting surprised with the size of the tilapia people are catching on old hickory they're pushing that five six pound mark, what about muskie
0: so. i gotta ask we're, we're creating yeah we creating
2: a heck of a muskie fishery in M- tennessee M- muskie has been uh fishing has been pretty good it's not been as good during the winter a lot of people uh use the melton hill fishery up there a lot and they use it a lot when they run bull run steam plant the last couple of years we've not had to run bull, bull run steam plant for power so those fish have kind of got a break from that hot water discharge, and, and they and, might uh, be getting bigger than. Huh? Yeah, 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 we're finding a lot of good fish, even moving down and, into to Watch Bar.
0: And haven't you guys, in y'all, institute a 50-inch size limit on a lot of bodies of water a few years ago? We did. That's we, a big fish. We actually
2: went into the Caney Fork and uh, developed a 50-inch size limit there because we were seeing some really good fish uh, grow there, and we actually saw natural reproduction in the Caney Fork system. So. Okay. We've, Delayed some of our stock.
0: That's awesome. You've been awesome. I'm going to go break the smallmouth record. I decided 50, 60 years, it's enough. I'm going to go ahead and take care of that
2: yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's time for that one. To yeah.
1: I'll take the camera and we'll get some footage of it.
2: Yeah, we'll throw it back
0: when we're done, though, okay? I
1: figured you'd go
2: after the walleye record.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I, I would like to, but so far mine's about, it'd have to be about a pound and three ounces. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to keep working on it, Jason. I love the walleye program. We'll get into that sometime too. Yeah. Walleye and Saga program, but walleye especially. All right where can they find us? you stuff? can
1: find us on tmwildlife.org you can uh, get to the video or listen to the audio version right there and uh, also contribute to tag board so
0: go it. to tag board jason thank you you're awesome thank you thank you todd
1: thank you jason we'll see y'all next week